Welcome to AJHP Voices, a series of discussions with AJHP authors and interviews focused on contemporary issues that drive health outcomes. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP. Its mission is to advance science, pharmacy practice, and health outcomes. Hello, this is Pamela Shea, Assistant Editor at AJHP. I'm talking today with Dr. Janet Carmichael and Dr. Ann Nguyen, authors of a commentary titled Healthcare Metrics, Where Do Pharmacists Add Value? This will be appearing in the October 1 issue of AJHP. Dr. Carmichael is Pharmacy Executive at VA Sierra Pacific Network, and Dr. Nguyen is Clinical Pharmacy Specialist at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. Thank you for joining me today. So let's get started. Why address healthcare metrics and pharmacists? Well, we wanted to describe some of the national organizations that were developing healthcare metrics that pharmacists might be asked to address in their healthcare systems and where they come from and how they might add value to the healthcare system. And for a lot of reasons, healthcare is measuring quality, safety, and value. Click decisions obviously drive the cost of care and choosing what drugs to prescribe, which procedures to perform, and whether to admit patients to acute care facilities have really significant cost impact. So that's one reason. And then to prove what we're doing, we actually have to measure it. And so there's really a lot of national health care policies that have embraced metrics. And we wanted to describe some of those metrics that pharmacists uh, might be involved in in their organization. Most organizations are really defining their outcomes for their organization and setting direction, and that's really making up and differentiating what kind of metrics they're really looking at. A lot of this is driven by getting costs under control, and that requires engaging clinicians with data that can help them understand which activities and services can be reduced or maybe eliminated without compromising any of those patient care outcomes that we want to measure. And then the third reason probably is that we feel that pharmacists are really uniquely qualified to assist with goals and outcomes that are attained in healthcare systems. And one of those is population management. They want to identify groups of patients that may require drugs they aren't currently getting or maybe getting drugs that they currently don't need or just monitoring for the safety of the medications and manage their patients more appropriately. So... What is value or how is value measured in healthcare? Well, that's a kind of an interesting question. There was a gentleman by the name of Michael Porter um, that defined value as healthcare outcomes achieved per dollar spent. And, you know, any survivor of an introductory microeconomics course would hear echoes of this phrase of one basic measurement of economic efficiency, which is, you know, the outcome per unit of input. And it's very difficult when you're talking about healthcare because most people don't look at their healthcare as being a unit of economic business. But in fact, an efficient business gets the most output possible given current technology for every dollar spent. So Porter and his colleagues started to adopt microeconomics to healthcare through their definition by trying to define outcomes, health outcomes, and then looking at the dollars spent to achieve them. Well, these results for individual patients would obviously be things like survival, you know, speedy and uncomplicated recovery, being able to get a hold of a provider when you wanted one, maintaining well-being and coverage for long term. But these are also things that clinicians and payers and purchasers would want, as well as, you know, any employees or customers uh, of the hospital. 
the value movement then defines trying to define these these outcomes that we want to achieve and then trying to look at it from a variety of perspectives and then also looking at the cost it is requiring to actually achieve those outcomes. So value proponents further insist that inputs be measured and comprehensively um, included as well the cost of producing those desired outcomes. This concept is being widely adopted and value would provide sort of this north star by which healthcare providers could navigate if we in fact could define the kind of healthcare outcomes that we want to achieve and how much it's actually costing us to achieve them. Now recently the IOM produced a report called Vital Signs, Core Metrics for Health and Healthcare Measurement in America. And they released this report, and you can find it on, on the Internet. And it suggests that there are about 15 core metrics that our nation's healthcare should be striving for. And there's probably another additional 39 related priority measures that they've defined. Many of these would be of interest and, and affected by the work that pharmacists do every day. In the current healthcare system, don't really use these core metrics in the same way that they've been defined by this IOM report. But there are many that are described that are very similar to the type of measures that we are being asked to measure. There are many patient safety measures, for example, that might be affected by a pharmacist medication reconciliation. There's a tremendous number of evidence-based care metrics that we um, are all familiar with from cardiovascular risk reduction, hypertension control, diabetes control, heart attacks and stroke therapy protocols. And then a variety of what are called choosing wisely campaigns, which are maybe defining unnecessary care. So there are a tremendous number of things that we can measure as far as outcomes are achieved and then defining how much we are actually, it's actually costing us to provide those metrics uh, or those outcomes is a very difficult process. So it seems like specific outcomes are tied to value and enhanced cost reduction. Who exactly defines these outcomes? Dr. Wynn? There are several groups, and I would say first would be the patient. They're our number one customers. And from the patient point of view, there are certain groups out there, for example, the U.S. News and World News, and as well as HCAP scores, really assessing patient satisfaction. And nowadays, with a lot of the organizations and healthcare um, hospital or health system overall, looking at patient satisfaction because if a patient now can have some voice in where or who they would go to to seek those care. So that's one way of attracting uh, the patients to the hospital if you have high HCAP score, higher patient satisfaction. Another group would be a health system perspective. So that's from a hospital or a health system overall. And with these type of achievements, they're trying to look at what is important to the hospitals and how that may directly impact reimbursement. For example, the Medicare Star Rating Program, where they look at really trying to define, especially for Medicare beneficiaries, looking star rating of 1 to 5 of poor to excellent. And these are actually tied to reimbursement rates, marketing efforts, patient enrollment for qualified insurance plans. The third group, I would say, is the payer side. And these are the insurance companies or those that actually pay, for example, one of the largest payer is CMS. And with CMS, they have, for example, the ACO models that actually has various metrics, and it ties organizations and health system into these different metrics and different spaces. And what it ties down to is how 
are they being reimbursed for care? And with healthcare nowadays not looking at fee-for-service, gearing towards more value-based performance, are we taking care of the patients the way we're supposed to take care of the patients and prevent them from coming back in 30 days? And lastly, but not least, I would say the quality organizations that actually established these types of metrics. Uh, one example that we mentioned in our article is the National Committee for Quality Assurance, also known as NCQA. It's a nonprofit organization that established and offers various accreditations programs, and it's really well known for what's called the HEDIS measure. Um, HEDIS stands for Healthcare Effectiveness Data and Information Set, and it is nationally recognized in terms of the metrics and the measures, and more than 90% of America's health plan really use this to their assess care and service. So these are the four core groups that really define value and the outcomes and potentially tie to reimbursement. So what outcomes are currently being measured? So currently we're using many process measures and the validity of measures, you know, how well does a metric capture the process of outcomes it's intended to assess is really kind of at issue. As I stated earlier, it's really difficult sometimes to measure exactly the optimal outcome that may be very different in one population over another. So when we get metrics that are have a numerator and a denominator from one institution, they may have a very different patient population than another institution. So it requires some risk adjustment. We have to tailor some of the metrics to make sure that they didn't exclude patients that had tailored care to certain groups. So measuring apples to apples is one of the important parts of all this. And then the daily systems and science to support the value measurement really need to evolve. Most healthcare systems are in the process of putting in strong healthcare record systems, electronic retrieval of information, tying all those pieces together. And right now, too much time and resources is really being spent in just collecting the data that's needed and wanted to measure an outcome. One of the things that's really been affecting some of the outcomes being measured is pay for performance. So physician groups, for example, or hospitals in general are being told that if you achieve a certain metric, if you can be better than a number of other hospitals or health systems in regard to measuring a certain metric, then we'll pay you more for the, that outcome. The other concern you often hear about outcome measurement is that we have too many metrics. There are quite literally thousands of metrics now that are being recommended by any number of the groups that Anne just discussed, and they sometimes are inconsistently applied so that they're not always collecting exactly the same information for the numerators and denominators, or as I said, excluding certain patient types or not risk adjusting. So it becomes very difficult to decide exactly what it is that we are measuring and making sure that those measurements are comparable from one site to the next. So we're really not there yet. In our article, we gave lots of examples of the type of measurements that we are, in fact, being required to measure, but many complaints have come out about the comparability of those measures from one site to the other. So there's a lot yet to be learned from the process of measurement. So, Anne, what are some examples of outcomes being measured? So, as Dr. Carmichael described, um, the various organizations I mentioned before have plethora of metrics for us to look at. Some measures that I'll just briefly mention from the article that we put vary 
from, for example, with the HRQ uh, pharmacist measures that are relating more pharmacy. Example would be antipsychotic use in children percentage of children under age five or influenza vaccinations or use of high-risk medication in elderly. Those are more on a broad term. With the PQA, uh, which is you know, Pharmacy Quality Alliance, and they also proposed some measures that actually got adopted to the Medicare Part D's plan ratings. And some of those I just mentioned, like high-risk medication to elderly, um, appropriate treatment for hypertension in patient with diabetes, and medication adherence as measured by proportion days of covered. And that's very uniquely to pharmacy. As you look at other measures, it's not tied into a particular medication's outcomes. And with ASHP, uh, one of our goals is that all pharmacists will be responsible for error prevention, patient safety, and patient outcomes relating to medication therapy. So looking at metrics where it ties particularly to pharmacy is very critical because that's how it ties, again, back to the value of a pharmacist that we can bring to the table. So I guess that leads to the question of how can pharmacists increase public awareness of our value and worth in patient care? Yeah, that's a very good question. And when you talk to anyone, for example, your family members or friends, when they think of pharmacy, they think of a community pharmacy, like a community where CVS or Walgreens. Oftentimes, patients may not even know that pharmacists exist in the hospitals until there are programs, for example, that really initiate it with discharge counseling or admission met counseling. As myself, a clinician on the internal medicine service, that's what I try to do by interacting and building that report and introduce myself as my name is Anna, I'm the pharmacist, because oftentimes when you're in the hospital, when you wear a white coat, they would either assume that you're a nurse or a physician assistant or a doctor and not really a pharmacist. So I think for sure making ourselves known that we're providing the service from a pharmacist standpoint and essential to build that relationship. And with the pharmacy advancement initiative that led by ASHP, where one of the goal is to maximize pharmacist services as well as for us to be accountable for outcomes and being able to bring that, especially, for example, with initiative um, heading, the transition of care where we do an accurate medication history, patient counseling with the patient's in-house, at discharge, and phone follow-up. And hopefully with transition of care, there will be a clinic um, creating those outcomes where every patient each step of the hospital uh, is being touched by a pharmacist one way or another. And I think that's how all of us in the pharmacy world, like pharmacists, technicians, students, start to make the impact on the patient saying, we are pharmacists and we're from the pharmacy service. And that's how we can start adding value and our worth. Another thing too is there are several initiatives that you may not directly working with the patients, for example, pharmacokinetic or vancomycin dosing, but you indirectly impact the care that the patients receive here, and that might shorten their length of stay. So those are the different initiatives that we as pharmacists and pharmacy staff can do to help increase the value. Um, but overall, I think it comes down to building that report and make yourself known from a pharmacy department that you're there to help them in managing the medication. So in conclusion, what is one of the major challenges that the pharmacy profession faces when it comes to value proposition in healthcare systems? One of the major challenges I would say is revenue generating. 
reimbursement because it all comes down to reimbursement. For example, with 30-day readmissions that was initiated with the Accountable Care Act where hospitals get penalized if patients come back within 30 days. And that trickles down to the hospital levels that oh, our finance will be cut because of this measure. So they're trying to find different initiatives to reduce the readmissions rates. And from that standpoint, that kind of trickles down to individual clinical service and programs. With pharmacy, from what my uh, exposure so far, is we are justifying our positions, technicians, pharmacists, based on cost savings, not necessarily like if I hire X amount of pharmacists, I will be able to generate X number of revenue. We are not at the point where we can actually say that, and I think that does affect us, and one, that's one of our biggest challenge. I know with ASHP and other collaborating with other organizations, we are trying to get provider status, and I think that will be a huge uh, effort, and that will be the propelling force for us to overcome the challenge we see in our profession. Well, that's very interesting. Thank you both so much for joining me today. That concludes this interview. For more information about AJHP, the premier source for impactful, relevant, and cutting-edge professional and scientific content that drives optimal medication use and health outcomes, please visit www.ajhp.org.